Benvenuto. Hello there and welcome to City Breaks Florence Extra, Episode 3, 700 Years of Dante. Welcome especially to any new listeners. I do feel for your sake I need to explain the title of the episode a little. Okay, so City Breaks Florence, in its original version, is 19 episodes, which I did all about Florence, all the places you might want to visit. And crucially, it was my attempt to offer all the history and culture, which ideally you'd research for yourself if only you had time, so that when you visit lovely Florence, you understand what you're seeing. If you haven't had a chance to listen to some of those episodes, I do hope you'll go back and find them. However, we are now on to Florence Extra, because I realised that even 19 episodes was not enough to do Florence justice. And also, I wanted a chance to bring things up to date a little bit, it being now nearly three years since I did the original series. So then, Florence Extra, different in two ways. One, it's going to be more current, and two, and perhaps more importantly, it is not going to be just me talking. I have invited some carefully chosen guests to come and help us. You may have heard the first two episodes already, with Danielle from Ciao Florence, and with Helen Farrell, editor of The Florentine. So that already gives the idea that these are going to be people who live in Florence or work in Florence, know all about it, not just in its historical context, but today. And this week, I'm delighted to say that our third guest is Andrea Giordani, who works at Field Florence. You'll hear when he explains his role in a minute that he does many things, but one of them is keeping an eye on the Field Florence website, which is the official website for tourists who want to come to the city and find out all the things they need to know. It's really good that Andrea, who is certainly a busy man, found the time to be interviewed. And as you'll hear in a minute, he talks to us about his role at Field Florence, and particularly about a project which has really been exercising everybody in Florence all year, and that is the fact that 2021 is the 700th anniversary of the death of Dante. Dante is another man whose role it's quite difficult to sum up in a couple of words, We'll hear in a minute that Andrea gives us a much better version than I'm going to, but think of him as Italy's most well-known poet, philosopher, thinker, essayist. In fact, when I talked to Andrea, it turned out he had so many things to tell us that I decided to make this into two episodes. So today, he's going to give us an introduction to Dante himself and to his work, but more of an overview really, because there'll be more detail coming on the Divine Comedy, his best-known work, next week. So, after an introduction to Dante himself, Andrea is going to explain to us how to find Dante's Florence in the city today, talk a little bit about the bits that Dante himself knew, and a bit more about the history behind it all. The first historical period that comes to mind for Florence is, of course, the Renaissance, but Andrea is going to explain to us that actually, the period when Dante was alive is equally important. Dante's dates, by the way, are 1265 to 1321, a period when Florence was really one of the biggest cities in the whole of Europe, and certainly one of the most influential, and a period from which many of the palazzi and towers and other buildings that you'll visit if you go were begun. Andrea and I then went on to talk about the Dante Plax project, which was actually begun in 1901, but which of course in this anniversary year has become super important and Andrea explains to us what the Field Florence website has got to offer if you want to delve into the detail and take yourself on a Dante-inspired trip 
all around the city. And finally, we move on to talking about some of the many, many ways in which Dante is remembered in the Florence of today. You might be surprised to know that there are Dante readings in the city every week, not just in the anniversary year. Think also a chair at the university and the many, many portraits and statues everywhere. All of that interesting, of course, to anyone who's actually off to Florence and wants to have a look for some of these things. But Andrea also explained a bit more about the less tangible cultural and linguistic heritage which can be discerned in the Italian language, for example. And then right at the end of the interview, we come back to the Feel Florence website, give out the website address, which will also be in the show notes. And Andrea gives us one or two reminders about ways in which you can use it to help you get the most out of your next visit. So, as you can hear, there's lots and lots to look forward to. And without further ado, let's get straight on to the interview. Here it is. Andrea, welcome and thank you very much for your time. Can you just start by explaining to us what role you actually play at Feel Florence? Yes. Well, uh, I am Andrea Giordani, tourist uh, instructor of the City of Florence Tourism uh, Promotion Department. Part of my job uh, consists in the role of a co-editor of feelflorence.it, which is the official uh, tourism website of Florence and its metropolitan area. My job also includes assistance to travel writers, journalists, always in the field of tourism, so magazines, uh, TV, radio productions, and so on. And uh, I'm also a coordinator of the tourist information offices of Florence. Gosh, you sound very busy. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, it. <laughs> okay, so this morning you're taking a little bit of time to talk to us about Dante because of a special project that yes. you've been working on. But first, could you tell us a little bit about Dante himself, who he was, when he lived, that sort of thing? It's difficult to summarize Dante in a few words, uh, his complex, immense figure, but I'll try to do it. Dante is considered the greatest uh, Italian poet uh, of any times, father of the Italian language, man uh, of immense culture. He was essayist, philosopher, politician much more. He was born in 1265 in Florence, uh, where he lived until uh, 1302, the date of the, his dramatic exile for polit- political reasons. After living in several Italian cities, so he died in Ravenna, where uh, he's buried, in 1321. That's why this year we celebrate him uh, exactly 700 years after his death. Like everybody knows, Dante is mostly famous uh, throughout the world uh, as uh, the author of the Divine Comedy, absolute universal masterpiece translated in uh, 60 languages. Here, in his masterpiece, Dante describes uh, the journey, his journey from hell, accompanied by his ideal master Virgil, to pass to the realm of uh, Purgatorio, Purgatory, and, uh, and then Heaven, where uh, he will be guided uh, by his uh, inspiring muse, Beatrice, or Beatrix. Let's say that the, the, the purpose of Dante's journey is uh, redemption, yes. His, uh, his aim is to re-educate humanity through its uh, spiritual path, finally reaching uh, the perfection in God. Gosh, 
you make it sound very quite difficult to understand. Um, do you think it's is it accessible for everybody? This story. Well, actually, let's say there is something that fascinates uh, everybody, and uh, that the way that Dante represent uh, represents imaginary atmospheres, uh, very high concepts, uh, human feelings, everything in a very poetical way even uh, with the use of uh, marvelous metaphors or uh, similitudes. Let's say also he's a very fine portrayer of man. Uh, I mean, he's able with just with a few strokes to represent psychologically their characters. But actually, uh, answering your, your question, I think that the full comprehension and uh, appreciating of the Divine Comedy is not so easy for everybody, even for an Italian. Let's remember the, the comedy is written in ancient Italian of the 14th century. And then it's full of references to mythology, theology, astronomy, full of symbols and allegories. And there are hundreds of characters of any times. Many of them, by the way, were contemporary of Dante. Some of them... <laughs> put by him in the inferno, in the in hell. hell. <laughs> yes, exactly, where we can find really many, many enemies of Dante. And by the way, Dante's house was destroyed by some of them. But you can still see a reconstruction of it, which is the, the so-called museum Dante's house, exactly on the original site. Ah, oh, that's interesting. If you're in Florence today, so apart from his house or the reconstruction of his house, are there other places in Florence where we can get a picture of Dante and his time and his life and the man himself? Yes, of course. Uh, well, uh, I remember that uh, Dante's house is uh, in the heart uh, of Florence, in the so-called Dante's district, uh, which is the, the medieval area of Florence, uh, full of uh, high tower houses uh, of narrow streets and little squares, exactly between the Duomo and Signoria Square, so respectively the religious and the political centers of Florence. I think that the, the med medieval side of Florence is another less known side, uh, let's say a dark side of Florence, compared with the most popular image that we have of uh, Florence as cradle of the Renaissance. And we, we would like, we really would like you to visit. It's important to know that between the 13th and 14th century, Florence was going through a period of important and exciting change. And this change has extended into all areas of life. So from religion to politics, from art to industry, from architecture to education as well. And let's remember that in this period, Florence had 100,000 inhabitants. So it was one of the biggest cities in Europe. It was center of a great wool and textile industry, city of rich merchants and bankers. Everybody knows the name of uh, the Medici, but before the Medici, we have important bankers like the Bardi and Peruzzi city of artists, of course, and artisans. And let's remember also that in 1250, exactly, the first golden 
florin that in Italian we call fiorino. So this coin was minted and it was the most powerful currency in Europe. This is uh, important to know, I think. Then a series of very famous buildings like basilicas, uh, palaces, towers, including the, the medieval city walls, they were all founded in the same period. So at the end of the 1200s, so Dante's age. Then uh, remember that Dante cites many places, Florence, and certainly he drew inspiration from uh, some of them. For instance, the dramatic representation of uh, the inferno of hell in the mosaics of the baptistery, a place where, by the way, we can find two Dante's uh, plaques. Aha, uh-huh. right. You've given us a really good picture, thank you, of how important this man was and still is to the city. So I've read a little bit about the Dante plaques project. Can you tell us a bit, and I know you're focusing on it this year, aren't you, because of the 700th anniversary. So can you tell us a little bit more about what the project is and why? Yes, with pleasure. So, especially in the medieval heart of the city, it's very easy to to come across many of uh, these uh, Dante's uh, plaques. So uh, these are 32 commemorative stones uh, uh, bearing verses uh, from the Divine Comedy. As you said, uh, this is a special year. So among other projects, we created a real uh, tourist itinerary, both in Italian and English, dedicated to these plaques. Uh, But answering your question, let's start from the beginning. In uh, 1901, uh, the municipality of Florence decided to to place uh, a series of uh, plaques uh, in memory of places, um, episodes, characters mentioned uh, in the Divine Comedy. These plaques are many streets and squares. And for this special reason, a uh, commission was set up, uh, made up uh, of famous historians, writers, uh, and Dante's experts. The placement of these plaques was completed in 1907, exactly. Gosh, so over and- 100 years ago already. Yeah, really. And the stages of this itinerary that we created on on our website consists, of course, in 32 plaques. So each stage uh, is geolocated and contains the original text with uh, English translation and a brief, a very brief explanation uh, and a photo, of course. Let's say that this itinerary aims to be a way to to immerse yourself uh, in Dante's Florence, so in the medieval Florence, to to reveal the divine comedy uh, with its uh, places, uh, its uh, characters. And recently, we also created a video in English about this itinerary that you can also find in uh, feelflorence.it. Can we say then that Dante is still very important in Florence today. I mean, this is so many hundred years ago, isn't it? 2021, are we still talking about Dante and thinking about him in Florence, do you think? Yes, I would say in Italy and particularly in Florence. Dante's memory is uh, always alive. It's really in in our collective uh, imaginary. Particularly in Florence, uh, we have a very ancient tradition, uh, which is called the uh, lectura dantis. So it's 
a reading and explanation of a chant, uh, which has a very, very an- ancient tradition. So remember that it was, uh, uh, it was Boccaccio who created this tradition in the 14th century. And it's still on. Every week, usually, we, we, the, the society, Dante's society, organizes a lecture, so a reading and explanation of a, a canto of the Divine Comedy. Let's remember that at the University of Florence, there is a chair of Dante's philology. As we said, Dante's memories are everywhere in Florence, starting from his house, Dante's house. As we said, portraits, statues are really everywhere. So uh, I would also say that he's still alive, especially in the cultural and linguistic heritage. Many idioms coined by Dante are still in use in the current Italian language. Really so many. Do you think it's true to say then that really he is for Italy what Shakespeare is for English? I think that's a very good comparison. Of course, uh, other periods, of course, uh, other cultural (laughs) atmospheres. But uh, if we talk about importance, I would say yes, definitely. Yes, because what you just said about the language is still used, that's true of Shakespeare too. Sure, sure. You're right. Even if people don't know they're quoting Shakespeare, sometimes they are. So I expect it's Dante the same. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Can you give us an example of something that's said in current Italian that comes from Dante? Oh, there are so many examples. So, for instance, lasciate ogni speranza o voi che entrate. So, uh, leave uh, all the hopes you who are entering. So, this is an inscription ah. at the entrance of the inferno. Yes. So, in- when you are in very bad conditions... <laughs> In a difficult situation, you can say this, lasciate ogni speranza. That is said yeah. in English too, and it, we say, abandon hope, all ye who enter here. That's okay, how, so that's, that's how it's said. Uh, Dante was really contagious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, lovely. Thank you. So you've given us a really strong picture of his times and his life and his work and how important he is today. So... Can we just finish perhaps by you telling us a little bit about the things going on? You're doing some exhibitions, I think, at the Bargello. Well, you know, right? as, uh, as we said, uh, this is uh, the special year, so 700 years of his, his death. Uh, so we really have hundreds, really hundreds of events throughout Italy, but especially in, uh, the, flo- in the cities where uh, Dante lived. Uh, so, of course, uh, Florence. I would say, first of all. And uh, yes, uh, we have many, many exhibitions. Bargello, Edifizi, it's a very long list. We also have readings, so in English as well, lectures, uh, and uh, many concerts. We've been talking about uh, Giuseppe Verdi's music, so uh, there will be a concert conducted by Riccardo Muti, at the Teatro del Maggio Musicale, which is the most, most important musical institution of Florence. So there are really hundreds of events. And if you want to, to have an idea, you can check our website, which is feelflorence.it. Here in homepage, you can find an article dedicated to the events for the celebrations. 
but then uh, you can find many many uh, suggestions like itineraries and so on just looking for dante as a key word so i would really like you to check to visit our website even to organize uh, your journey in the best way and first of all to visit florence in a sustainable way yes that's becoming more and more important isn't it mm, i think i really think that it's important to to stay in florence just not for one day uh, you know i think that uh, if you want to have an idea of florence uh, uh, you should stay here at least well the top would be a week let's say but yes. uh, otherwise i would i would suggest you at least for five days when i came to do the research for the podcast we had a week and i saw lots and lots of things but i left thinking i have to come back because there were so many other things that i didn't have time for and it's not good to rush about is it you want to do these things slowly and really learn yeah, what you're yeah, seeing yeah exactly slow so we we are pushing for slow tourism uh, so sustainable tourism So in this sense, uh, I really suggest you to, to uh, visit the website because you have suggestions, practical suggestions to avoid queues. Uh, so first of all, uh, reserve uh, if, you wanna, if you want to visit museums. Uh, as you know, some of them are very, very crowded, like uh, the icon uh, museums of the Uffizi and the Academy Gallery where Michelangelo's David is. So for instance, for both of them, but also for other museums, it's much better to, to reserve. And you find uh, here all the information you need. Yes, and I will make sure that the website address goes onto the notes at the end of the podcast. So in fact, it'll be a link so people can go straight to it. Well, what a privilege to have such a well-informed guest give up his time to talk with such enthusiasm about all those things. Thank you very much, Andrea. And, as I said at the beginning, in fact, Andrea had more even than all of that to tell us, and I decided we wouldn't rush it, we certainly wouldn't waste it. Let's have a second episode next week with all the bits that I didn't find time for this week. I'm hazarding a guess that very few listeners will actually have read The Divine Comedy. I have indeed not read it myself in its entirety. But help is at hand. I've extracted from my interview with Andrea all the parts when he talked about The Divine Comedy or the DC as he rather endearingly abbreviates it. And so there's lots on the story itself, some of the characters, the themes, the language, the imagery, all sorts. There are even one or two moments when Andrea reads out a very short extract in the original Italian, just so that we can enjoy the beauty and the musicality of that lovely language. And then he kindly goes on to translate them for us. And then at the end of the interview, there's a shorter section when I asked Andrea some of the questions I asked the earlier guests about what he actually likes to do himself when he's out and about in Florence. And he finishes with one or two tips from all those many years of experience about the best ways to get the most out of your trip next time you're lucky enough to visit Florence. Okay, so that's more or less it for today. I hope you found lots of inspiration in the episode itself. I hope perhaps I've inspired you, if you haven't done already, to go and have a look at the City Breaks Florence series in its entirety. Whatever you're interested in, hopefully you'll find it there. There are certain episodes on places in the city, the Duomo, for example, some of the other churches, the big galleries, 
and I hope you'll find not just a description of where they are and what you can see, but the history and the stories behind them. There's a murder in the cathedral bit in the Duomo episode, for example. There's the tale of a particular piece of artwork in the Santa Croce church, which represents the terrible story of the flooding of the city in 1966, and yet is also an uplifting symbol of the city's recovery. There are some other episodes devoted to people most associated with the city, mini-biographies of Machiavelli and Michelangelo and Galileo, et al., and a few pointers on where you can find them in the city today. Right at the end of the series, there are a couple of literary episodes, what travel writers over the ages have had to say about Florence, and some extracts from novels and poems written in or about the city, which, you never know, might just send you off to your bookshelf or library to find something interesting to read. Do go and have a look if you have time and inclination. You'll find it all at www.citybreakspodcast.co.uk forward slash Florence. Unless, of course, you're looking for one of the other cities, Munich, St. Petersburg, Paris. There are eight in total. Anyway, today and, of course, next week, the spotlight has been once again on Florence. So Italian is the language with which I feel I should sign out. Thank you and goodbye. Or much more musically and beautifully, grazie mille. Arrivederci. <laughs>